Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode 16, I believe, of the Goal Line Podcast. So today, I am joined by Nick Jaramillo, who is currently the goalkeeper coach at Tormenta FC in USL League One. So, um, you know, I, I like to give a background of how me and all my guests know each other, but unfortunately, Nick and I have never met in person, but through a mutual friend, Ali Simmons, he put us together and suggested Nick would be a great guest for the podcast. So Nick, here you are. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm actually really excited about this. Um, it's funny you say mutual friends, but Ali Simmons knows everybody, so that's easy. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Um, so Nick, uh, you know, we're going to talk about a little bit your coaching career, just your path, because you do have an interesting path that we were oddly enough, just talking about. So uh, you began, you went to school at Northwood University, now known as Kaiser, but you know, you only played for a year. And then during that year, or even after that year, you stopped playing, you know, I, I assume you just took to wanting to be involved with the game. And, you know, how did you feel that coaching was the right choice? I mean, as a young kid, a lot of guys, a lot of players now, they want to be like pro athletes and this and that I just wanted to coach I wanted to coach at the highest level that I possibly could so um yeah playing playing a year at Northwood um I stopped going actually really stopped going to classes there too I was down a kind of a rough patch um and I was just turned into a part-time student um while coaching club um making really good money um so here I was 18, 19, 20, making good money coaching club, thinking, ah, I could put my degree on the side. And then um, it kind of just all, my life just completely changed once I got into college coaching. It's unbelievable. Yeah, so how did you how did you begin that that first step into college coaching? So my one of my really good friends, uh, Rodrigo Suarez, he was the associate head coach at PBA um, with Brian McMahon. And I had met him through club. And I was just having a chat with him one night, um, just kind of saying, look, I really want to get my foot in the college game. I don't want to continue in just club ball. Um, I want to do, I want to help more and do more. And so he goes, all right, I'll get you an interview with Coach Mack. So I go in, keep in mind, I was never a keeper, um, played as a six. Um, so I, I get the interview with Coach Mack. And tell him where I'm at in my life, really. And so he goes, right, well, I'm looking for a keeper coach. And that's pretty much all I've got right now. So I said, okay, I'll do it. Um, <laughs> I don't know much about the position, but I'm 100% out for learning. And um, I love learning. So I went with it. So what, what were – what did that – initial learning curve look like as a goalkeeper coach coming from the six like you know how did you plan your sessions and you know like, like tell, tell me about that learning curve and that transition from being a six to goalkeeper coach youtube is a phenomenal thing at first <laughs> but uh i mean it was it was funny i still remember my first session i was so nervous um because here I am, three foot five, never played as a keeper, and I'm coaching these kids that are six, six one, <laughs> absolute beast, right? But um, but no, my first, my very first conversation with really all my guys that I have 
you know, fortunate enough to work with is, um, look, I'm here for you guys. I'm here for your needs. Um, whatever it is you feel you need, you let me know. And that's my job. My job is to facilitate your needs. Um, you know, knowing that I wasn't a keeper coach, um, we did, I'd like to do, we did a lot of meetings in terms of like, right. If there's anything you guys might see in terms of mechanics and stuff, you know, don't, don't feel like you have to hold back and, you know, feel free to open and speak your mind and give opinions and creating that kind of a culture. Um, but yeah, I, I started just watching, um, watching YouTube videos, um, reading a, lots of like, I don't know, articles and chatting a, a lot with the keepers and getting their ideas and picking their brains on, you know, Hey, did certain activities work? Did, you know, this work, did that work? And there's a lot of, a lot of conversations, a lot. Yeah, no, I mean that dude, that that's probably the, the smartest thing you could have done, at least. And from my opinion, just because, you know, you're, you walk in and you say, Hey, look, I'm not, you know, I know who I am. I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses and we're, we're in this together. And, and so I think, especially being in the goalkeeper position, it's like a lot, a lot of it's mental. So it's like, yeah. you know, you, you just need to kind of help support them. Like I know this past fall, I, I entered into a, a volunteer role helping out this division two university and they had a senior goalkeeper. It was nasty, great goalkeeper started all four years. And I'm like, listen, dude, you're obviously like, you're clearly the starter here. I'm not, I'm not going to really nitpick or, you know, this isn't going to be my way. It's going to be, what do you like to do? And that's what I told him. I was like, we know, what do you like to do? What do you like your game warmups to be? You know, do you like a lot of handling? Do you like distribution? What do you like? Let's make sure that your mental state of mind is always in a good place. And, you know, that I commend you for that because that's so smart. Yeah. So, you know, what was that first year like for you? How did your goalkeepers perform? And then what were your biggest takeaways from your first year as a goalkeeper coach? So it was it was interesting. I had three guys that were just phenomenal, um, their work rate and just off the ball or off the field mentality. was just really good. Um, I was fortunate enough PBA at the time were in their provisional members of Sunshine State Conference. And we had a really good year. We made it all the way through to um, the Elite Eight. Um, we won regionals. We won. We weren't able to compete for the Sunshine State Conference, but we say we won that too because we went undefeated. <laughs> um, but um, yes, yeah, St- Stephen Raymont was the keeper at the time, um, and he, he, I believe, he was finished as an All American. Um, and you know, it's funny because like at first, I was always that first year. I thought, oh wow, like okay, stats, like that, that's where it's at. That's where we need to keep track and um, focus on. And my mentality changed from that quickly afterwards. <laughs> but and I'll, get, change I'll get into it. It was more of like, right, instead of looking at the numbers and the percentage saves and this and that, you know, I had one season at PDL. I went into the season thinking, all right, guys, this is our goal. This is what we're looking for. But then I'm thinking – Afterwards, it didn't work out, right? So right away, I'm essentially setting the guys up for failure because I'm setting a targeted number and that's solely what we're focused on instead of, for me, the bigger picture in terms of development. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, 
Yeah. I you know that, that makes that makes sense. You know, you know, numbers I think a lot of times are misleading. I was actually <laughs> just reading something. It was it was talking about how like if you're for instance a six, if you're just focused on how many passes they complete, just like in general throughout the game, it doesn't really tell the bigger picture. Whereas, you know, given the context and the timing of the passes is really the bigger picture. So, you know, the save percentage or whatever it may be, I don't think always, you know, like you said, is something that we should focus on. We need to focus on the bigger picture of things. So, yep. so you finish up at PBA and then, yep. and then young Harris college <laughs> came next, correct? Yes. So I'm so, still coaching. So club. what was that decision to, yeah, okay, go ahead. Yeah. So I was still coaching club. Um, it was spring and, I said to myself, right, uh, I want to get be around, you know, high level. I want to continue developing and de- being around the right type of people. And so I had a conversation with Mac and uh, one of my other friends, Eduardo Cruz, who um, coached at PBA after as well. He was playing PDL at Mississippi Bria. And so I said to him, hey, is there any chance you can get me in there as a volunteer? Like, you know, I'm not looking to make money i just i just want to learn i just want to network and be around good people and continue that so he gets me on the phone with mark mckeever who absolutely changed my world uh, he uh he says yeah come on you can you know we can't don't have anything um him and uh, rusty bryant who's the owner there too they said look we don't have anything really to offer we barely have a room right now i said look i'll sleep on a couch in the dorm i'm easy I just want to be around it. So they gave me the green light to go. Um, so I was like, perfect. So I, I went there, took the trip up there. And it's funny because I essentially packed my truck. I packed everything I had in my truck. I was like, right, either two things are going to happen. Either I find something that's going to help me go on or... I, I don't know, <laughs> but I wanted to find, I wanted to find something that was going to help me in my life, um, you know, for my own personal development too. So I, I was prepared to just not come back to Florida pretty much. Gotcha, so, gotcha. Wow. That's crazy. No. So, yeah. you know, what, in your first year there, what did, did you change anything from PBA? Like your coaching style or was it just kind of like a, just a growth thing that you just kept le- continuous learning and, you know, you're, you're always developing your coaching style. Yeah, it was a little bit more like that. Um, you know, I, I worked with a close friend of mine still, Brendan Ledgeway, who he was keeper at Montevallo and as a keeper in division two, he was player of the year in conference, which you never hear of a keeper actually getting that right. more keepers should. But, um, he working under him, he was older than me about two, three years older than me um, at the time. And then he, we just had, again, just conversations. We'd go for coffee, we'd chat. Um, you know, I was, I would always send him ideas of, hey, what do you think about doing this this week or focusing on this? So instead of just doing daily activities and stuff and managing a keeper session, right? Because I feel like anybody can go and manage a keeper session. I started to now right. think more, uh, macro in terms of okay, let's focus on this topic this week. Um, but it was still just the technical aspects of it, um, which was good for the time. Um, and so, 
so I was there for uh, the first week I got in. It's funny because I drove through the night there and I got in at like, <laughs> I was probably like 8, 8.30 and we had training at 9. <laughs> I'll never forget it. I was I was so tired, but we went through the session, absolutely killed it. The boys done so well. But um, that summer was still just me just learning quickly, trying to learn quickly of, right, like this guy's older than me. He's been playing for X amount of years. He's, you know, a high level. How, how can I develop this guy even more, right? How can I help him push on to get to where he wants to? So um, under under Coach Mark, um, you know, I, I, I'll back up a little bit because there's another – transitional moment there um i hadn't had my degree yet and so first week being at mississippi bria i remember sitting in the car with mark and him saying like what's your plan like you know you're learning and stuff and you're you're putting yourself out there to be a volunteer and help others out like what what's your plan i said well i really don't know (laughs) so he goes right come to young harris um and, and get your degree and work with us, get your degree, um, and then you can continue coaching there. So, um, and that we'll get into that after as well. But that that was a big moment for me. So I was like, right, I I need to develop myself, and I need to get that degree because if not, I'm here coaching student athletes to get their degree and do well and perform at a certain standard. I have to do the same. Love that. Um, I love that. Would you Would you get your degree in psychology? Interesting. Why'd you choose that? has the easiest <laughs> no. <laughs> no i just uh i love the whole uh, ideally i'd love to go and continue getting like a sports psych um right masters in sports psych but i like the whole aspect of the mind and being able you know one thing i learned with coach mark is the biggest thing that you can do as a coach is build relationships everything right. else everything else is second like bonus winning games and all that stuff it's all bonus building the relationships is the biggest thing first. And I thought, you know, throughout the first year and a half or two that I was, I started off, that's, that's all I tried to focus on. And, you know, I felt that was a big thing and I enjoyed it. And um, so that's why I went on with a psychology degree. Yeah, it makes sense. No, you know, it's funny, a lot of, just because I've had so many different coaches on here, you know, it's cool to start seeing that all a lot, you know, 98% 98% of them are all saying the same things about like, you know, relationships and caring. So, um, you know, you're, you're fitting into that mold, but it, it seems like it's the right thing to do. So, so you finish up your time at Young Harris and then what was the decision to leave to go back to Florida after you said you were never going back to <laughs> coach at Barry? <laughs> so, yeah, so we had some really good years at Young Harris. Um, and then the job opportunity, I had met coach Sarah um, in, at a coaching course, um, and had just always kept in touch, um, as you do with, you know, that's one of the big things about the coaching courses is more so meeting people than the content you learn. But, um, I just always kept in touch with her and the opportunity came up to be her assistant on the women's side. And I had dabbled a little bit. It had the women's experience because at Young Harris, um, I was a full-time student doing the uh, assistant and goalkeeper coach with the men's, um, assistant and goalkeeper with the women's. Traveling, the head coach had resigned. And so 
they had asked me to be the interim Why? coach. Um, they just had a bad outing, <laughs> uh, her in the school. Um, so she had resigned. Um, and then it was, it was, a a Wednesday when they asked me to be the interim and on Friday we're playing against Flagler who was ranked number one in the nation. <laughs> I'm like, all right, Jeez. here we go. <laughs> so we ended up doing really well. We ended up, uh, I think we lost one nil in overtime. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it was a really good game. Um, so for the 2017 fall season, I was the interim head coach with the women's side. Um, so, how did how did the girls respond or how did you know how did you want to make that transition super easy for yeah. the girls who were who I'm sure probably you know had a great some of them I'm sure had a great relationship with the head coach so you know what yeah how was that transition um it was it was difficult at first um but i give all credit i mean the girls done so so well at kind of gathering themselves together and saying right like whatever it happened to happen, it's completely out of all of our control. What is in our control is that we can go through and make this season absolutely special and do something that this program has never done before, which is, you know, finish high on a winning record and um, make it to conference tournament. Um, And so that it was, it was tough again, just conversations and being open with the girls and still being, you know, a good uh, still guiding them the right way but i mean they've they've done phenomenally well at the end of it and um really turned themselves around because it was a bit of a whirlwind for them yes so did you have an assistant while you were the interim head coach i did so it was our ga that was there at the time she was a volunteer as well so and she was she was actually a um had just graduated from playing there so it was a little bit easier because you know, she was still close with the girls and with the right. ladies. Um, and so conversations with her and um, credit to her, she, you know, talked to the girls that were the ladies that were kind of on the fence about certain things and kept them all on board. So what were your biggest learning lessons as being a head coach? Culture. <laughs> uh, one thing I, love I it. yeah, one thing I learned with from coach Mark and he's just phenomenal at creating this culture and at PBA as well. And at Bria, like, I mean, the culture around the, the programs is just, you know, has nothing to do with, okay, we need to win this game. We need to win that game. It's more of right guys. Like it's the team before the self. Um, Because at the end of the day, you all have different goals. Some of you guys want to go on and play pro. Some of you guys just, want to do really well in your college careers and get a good degree. Um, regardless of what your goal is, that team before the self, like that's going to help you guys drive your, you know, drive the result. Um, so that was one big thing that I took, you know, from learning that from Mac um, the year that I was there and then really learning it from coach Markham. He has a saying, he says it every time after the locker room, you stick together through thick and thin. Um, so that was something that I kept in mind when I was coaching the, the ladies and just saying, right, like, I know it's tough, but, you know, stick together and you'll reap the benefits of your hard work. So what was that culture you were trying to instill in them and your, your couple months as a head coach? So we were 
the big thing was, I guess I was trying to at first really, really get my style of play, like a style of play that I thought, all right, this is what I want. I'm head coach now. You know, you have that <laughs> feeling, right? I'm going to change the world. No, <laughs> but um, it was really getting them to buy into um, playing more collectively as a unit and a group than as individuals because they had really, really good individuals on the team. Um, a couple of them are playing pro now uh, overseas and in South America, but um, getting them to f- really grasp the concept of the passing game and trying to think more tactics than, you know, the smaller 1v1, 2v2, 4v4 situations in a game. So that was one thing we trained a lot was a lot of small-sided games, a lot of movement of the ball, um, lots of conversations of telling them, look, just, you know, trust me. And with the ladies, it's you have to get them to trust you because if not, then they, they just won't play for you at all. Right. So you have to really get them to trust you. And it's, they, were, they were used to, a, you know, kind of a, a dictating ship style of coaching but um getting them to understand like guys i'm we're all in this together it's not me over all of you it's it's all of us in it because you know we're on the same situation we're on the same boat (laughs) yeah no absolutely so after the season was over were you asked to stay on as head coach did the girls want you to stay on as head coach or were you like now screw this i don't want i'm not ready you know i don't want to continue doing this you know what was yeah what was the thought process and what was that process like so season was over um come time november we made it to the conference tournament first time which was fantastic congrats that's Um, awesome congratulations girls done wait how, how old were you at this point by the way uh 20 what am i 30 now <laughs> 20 28 27 okay 28? yeah um and so uh yeah 20 let's see how old was i yeah, 27, <laughs> 26, 27 when I was when I started. Very, yeah, very, yeah. very young either way. Right. Yeah. Um. So season was done in in November, um, two thousand seventeen. Now keep in mind, I was still taking classes. Like I wasn't done with my degree yet. So, um, they they had put me through the interview process and all that, but I didn't have my degree yet until the following May. Um, so they went and got coach Rob King, who's currently still there, um, who had a successful career as well as a college coach went on. He was at Kennesaw state and won national tournament there too. But yeah, so, um, I helped with the transition with him coming in and, you know, during that spring and that's when Sarah had reached out and had asked, uh, if I'd be interested in coming down to Miami and getting the Barry job. Um, and so I was like, yeah, like I was still doing, I was still doing PDL, but my main thing is I, I wanted to stay involved with both the men and the women's side. Um, right. So I, I didn't, I didn't want to close the door on one to open up another. I wanted to keep both open um, just for career purposes, really. Um, so I went down, made the move to Barry after PDL. We went to Bria again. Um, 
we were there. For, I was there for three summers. Yeah, three summers with Coach Mark. Um, and so made the move down to Barry over that summer um, and had another successful season with them. Um, we ran we guess unlucky at the end. Um, we made it to, we were hosting and made it to the sweet 16 and lost first, second round of the tournament, um, with them, but we done, won the conference tournament, conference championship, regular season. Um, and with coach Sarah, it was, it was different learning. It's funny. Cause like, you, you could put 10 coaches in a room and you can learn something, similar across the board right but it's the same thing just done a different way you know um coach sarah was she played at unc oh go ahead sorry no 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 i'll continue with yours i'll, I'll ask the follow-up question after yes coach sarah she she was a unc chapel hill alumni played under anson won three national titles right um it's <laughs> just unbelievable collegiate play and record played professionally as well and so it was just that winning mentality that competitive environment and it was just right what are we going to do to win how are we going to do it how is it there's no other way around it it's just what do we need to do to win this game and and you know we're, we're going to compete in everything that we do and it's just phenomenal right so at your time at Barry, having just co- having you know been in the coaching world for a handful of years, you've experienced different teams, men's, women's, different coaches. What have been some of the similarities at this point that you've noticed about each of the coaches, and I guess even the differences too? And you know, what did you start to take and develop as your own, just from being under such a nice group of successful coaches? Yeah. So under under Mac, um, it was me just just focusing with the keepers um and doing little bits on the side but it was mainly focusing the keepers once i dabbled in and got involved with coach mark it was okay let's let's get you a little bit more involved with the first team um you're still main focus as the keeper but let's get you more involved with the first team and get you you know get that bigger picture experience um got that experience with um you know it was kind of an experimental really with the women's as the interim and then with coach, uh, coach Sarah down in Barry, it was, okay, let's do the, we're doing this together. Like, you know, he, I want you to be really, really hands-on and I'm giving you that full reign to be hands-on with the first team and help, you know, help with training sessions. And I, I didn't do keepers at all at Barry. Um, we had oh, a wow. keeper coach there. Yep. So that was my first season. I didn't do keepers at all. I missed it. I tell you that I missed it. Yeah, I was about to say, what do you what did you like better? <laughs> I, I like both to be honest, but I did miss not yeah. doing the keepers. Um, and so, um, I mean, similarities between the three. If if you look at all three head programs and head coaches that I was fortunate enough to be with, all of them have just winning track records. Um, so it, it, they all create a winning culture and you know we say culture a lot but it's i've come to realize it's more of creating that winning mentality of you know like look i want to win in everything that i do (laughs) i just we just do yeah so wait let me interrupt real quick so 
how do you, you know, what made these three coaches so good at creating that winning mentality and that winning culture? Building relationships, the way that they could communicate with their, you know, they took the whole coach player aspect out of it and more of, look, this is a person to person. Um, you know, they each did it in their completely different ways, but it was all that with that mindset of, look, like, I, yes, I'm your coach, but understand at the same time, I'm here for you as a person um, and building the relationship like that. And, you know, that that was really the main thing is getting players and student athletes to really buy into what we were trying to do. Um, you know, all, all three programs are known for creating professional athletes, right? Um, PBA have a handful of players that had gone on and signed professional contracts. Young Harris has, I don't know, something like 20, 25 players in the past three, four years, five years that have signed pro contracts at high levels. Um, wow. Barry as well is another one that has a handful. We had two girls sign pro contracts after our fall season. Um, so just having, having them buy into what you're trying to do and the product provides itself, um, you know, it was more of, right. Our job as coaches is to first provide the information and then, and this is what, what I got out of being around the guys is first provide the information and then let's build the relationships with these players and get them to buy into what we're doing. Because at the end of the day, that that's what. Our biggest concern is getting them to where they want to get to. Um, yeah, it, no, I mean, that make, makes a lot of sense. So yeah. um, so how long were you at Barry for again? One season. One season. And so, and so, you know, you do well, you have a successful. And then what was the decision to head back to Young Harris, right? Then you went back to Young Harris after yep. Barry? Yeah. So in the midst of all this going on with career and everything, um, I had met my wife. Um, at Young Harris. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, and so she she's originally from Blairsville. Um, if it, I, I say it to this day, like, if it weren't for her, I'd be all over the shop, right? She right. holds us <laughs> down and keeps us steady. But um, I had met my wife um, and while I was at Young Harris. And we moved down to Miami. We got married in the summer. And so – Another fun story. <laughs> I'll back up a little <laughs> bit. So during during their summer um, 2018 PDL season, right, I'm in Mississippi. Um, obviously, we leave there to live in Mississippi for the summer while she was in Georgia. So she would make trips back and forth and so on. Um, we had planned to get married. So we had to adjust our schedule based off of our season schedule, right, as you do. <laughs> and so – we get married June um, 23rd. It was a Saturday. Um, and we planned it around then because we were playing against Peachtree, which is in Atlanta, on the following Wednesday. And so we're like, oh, this is perfect. We'll go up home. We have no game scheduled for a week. I'll, I'll miss two training sessions. I'll make it for the wedding. We'll have a three-day uh, honeymoon in Savannah. And then we'll drive and meet up with the team on Tuesday night or Wednesday morning in Atlanta in Peachtree. It's perfect. (laughs) 
so we did that. That was our 2018 summer. We had the wedding in, in the midst of schedule, right? I go to Barry. Um, we get pregnant. Um, and so I was like, look, this is, this is hard on her being down in Miami. She's never left the, you know, Blairsville before and lived in a different place. I was like, this is really difficult for, for both of us. Um, me being away and having, you know, my wife who's, you know, pregnant about, you know, a couple months pregnant at the time. I was like, why don't, you know, why don't you go up and live with your family for a little bit, a couple months while, and, and I'll leave here, you know, once spring season's done. Right. Um, okay. It, just to make it easier with, you know, doctor appointments and all that fun stuff. Right. If we wanted to have the baby up there. And I, I didn't want her to be by herself either um, while we were traveling and doing all that. Because as you know, the s- schedule of a coach is all over the place. And <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think we all give enough credit to our significant others who deal with us. <laughs> right, right. And so, so the, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So that decision, she moved up in Blairsville in January while I was still down in Miami. Um, and it, we just decided it was just too much. So in March is when I moved back up. Um, and so the relationship with Mark is, so Mark's, Mark's wife is her cousin. So we have that family aspect. Um, so I had a chat with Mark and said, Hey, look, I'm coming back up. And he took me on board right away, which was really nice. Um, so I was able to just jump back in with them um, during the spring, which was good. Right. Right. So finish your, so then you finished up at young Harris and then the Tormenta job opened up. Yep. And so now, now we're talking a whole nother level. Um, so what has this transition now from, college to usl been like you know i'm sure the talent is you know a lot a lot better but you know even so it's like what what has your coaching style and philosophy developed into now that you're with a usl team you know it's funny they say like once you have a kid your mind completely changes (laughs) and and it's it's so true like so my my training sessions now like I kind of got into myself thinking, right, like Nick, it is conversations that I've had with myself in terms of, you know, we can run training sessions and, you know, what got me to this level is what we, what I've done. And, you know, I I don't want to, I'm not here to change the wheel or anything like that, but I I did need to think outside the box a little bit and see how I can, uh, how I could like, um, improve my sessions with the keepers and and not just be good at running a session right um because i i caught myself doing a lot of just technical sessions um right. there's a little bit of aspects of the big game but it was all technical sessions it's, it's like okay well the team's working on crossing so we'll just do a couple technical activities that involve crossing and so what i i dove into here and i've working with the guys here that've been unreal is right we we need to make sure that every single training session that we do has a tactical aspect to it that should be our main focus the, the technique and the mechanics and all that, that stuff will come with what we do but we have to have that big picture in terms of you know tactically are we are we doing what we need to do 
you know, whether it's um, an aspect of building out the back or, you know, different movements of, you know, different recovery movements, for example, to focus on our positioning um, in the goal area before the strike or a cross comes. Um, so we always, now what we do is just add that tactical piece to our sessions. Right. So when you're working with the whole, I mean, like the, the league two, the, the academy, are you also working with the coaches, the other coaches to help you get to make sure all, you know, all communication is, is one and the same? Yep. Or, you, yep. or do you just kind of let the coaches do their own thing and say, you know, focus on this, you know, what goes into your, your philosophy as a whole coaching group with, yep. you know, from team one to the academy? So with the first team, um, we communicate, I mean, we have meetings, set set time for meetings twice a day we we get there early in the morning we talk about training sessions we plan the session from top to bottom um in terms of okay here's here's the big picture here's what we're doing the first team here's what i'm doing with the keepers to incorporate that um and then we go out have our training session and then we get right back into the office and just dissect it and say right what worked what didn't work um and then we plan for the next day. So in terms of that has been really good because everybody's staying on the same page. Um, what we do with our keepers now is um, they know what they, they'll know what topics we'll be working on the day or afternoon beforehand um, because we have it already prepared and planned out. So that way they can just mentally get themselves prepared and do whatever it is that they need to do. Um, in terms of the academy, um, so they've made me the um, director of goalkeeping here for the academy as well, which is something I've never done before either. <laughs> so it's a it's right. a learning as well. Um, uh, so the f- the philosophy with that that I'm trying to develop is first, I think coaches first, I think that we need to all understand how kids actually learn. Right, because you can go out and plan a session, but they, you know, they might not even learn from it. So really, understanding okay, kids learn, you know, whether it's they're a visual learner or, um, which most most kids are, they have to really see how to do something, and then then they go on, and then the repetition of really doing it over and over and over and over again for the younger ones um, in terms of the techniques and the mechanics um with the academy so that that's kind of the the pathway that i've taken with that with the younger academy kids really um and inviting them to come out to our training sessions inviting them to come out early um during game days so that way they can actually watch the the keepers warm-ups um because i think that's a important piece to it too right that no that makes sense so when you're when you're hiring academy coaches what are you looking for from these coaches do you care about their experience or you know what is it or i i don't know if you're doing the hiring but i assume you have some some type of say in it yeah so we we all talk about it um our head coach john uh miglaresi he's um he's the kind of the director and of player development and he he does most of the hiring and bringing guys in that we do but we all chat about it really and it's more so okay First, what is their experience? You know, if 
are they straight out of college? Are they, do they have a little bit of um, college coaching experience or are they a player? Um, But more so it's, are they good people? Um, Right. Are they somebody that is going to buy into what we're trying to do here and jump on board with us and challenge us? Because at the end of the day, it's like, like for me, it's, I don't want you just to jump on board and buy into what I'm doing and have no say in it. I want you to buy into what I'm doing, but challenge me at the same time, you know? So, um, respectfully, obviously, but yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's more so, um, it's more so are they good people? You know, are they good people that will, you know, we can help learn if they don't have the experience, then that's okay. Um, then it's our job to kind of help them in those areas that they that they need in terms of what to do, how to run a team, what to look for. Yeah, that makes sense. So, um, so you've been you know obviously coaching for a while. What would you say the role of your job as a goalkeeper coach or an assistant coach for that matter is? on from basically just from your experience coaching at different universities and now Tormenta. Yeah. Um, it's changed a lot. <laughs> it's gone from, um, just coaching keepers and making highlight videos <laughs> to now, you know, coaching the keepers, having a word with our back line, um, go, focusing on set pieces, set pieces again, set pieces for, um, doing the data analytics for the team. Um, you know, it's having a say during, you know, with this first team in terms of, you know, when we have small sided, just being involved after we're done with the keeper part. So it's definitely more responsibility now. Um, And it's been good because, you know, I've always said to myself, I don't want to get, I don't want to essentially get pigeonholed, right? And just, just be a keeper coach. I want to be able to bring so much more to the table to whatever program I'm fortunate enough to be with. Um, Just because, you know, that I've always been a person to my work rate is my pride. Like I just want to work really hard. Whoever I'm around, I want them to know that I'm going to work extremely hard for them and help them as best as I can. Cause you know, one thing coach Mark at young Harris really kind of taught me with, without saying it is, you know, he's one guy that he's there no matter what to facilitate anybody's needs, everybody around him, he's there for them. Um, and that's kind of been my, inspiration and he's been a role model to me to hey i want to be like that i want people to know that i'm here for them regardless of what's going on absolutely so let me let me take us back real quickly so when you stepped into your first role at pba as the goalkeeper coach did you did you expect to be coaching goalkeepers this long or did you just you know think like uh you know i'm I'm just gonna take this first job and and then shift to you know, just the general assistant after, or did you just yeah. kind of roll with the punches? Uh, so at first I was like, yeah, I'll just take it. And, you know, I'll, I'll see, you know, what comes out. I, I never in a million years thought that I'd be here right now <laughs> coaching <laughs> keepers. Um, I thought oh, I'll be an assistant coach somewhere in college. But um, as seasons 
had gone by. And I think what helped was the PDL seasons, really, because it was just season after season. There was no break in between. Um, right. So as the seasons kind of went by, I was like, well, I really, really enjoy this. And I like the whole tight knit of having that keeper's union and building that keeper's union kind of culture of, you know, right, we're in this together, whether you're the first number one, number two, number three, to me, that doesn't matter. It's, I want three number ones, or I want two number ones, you know, um, right. And having that guy that is the number one and has been a number one for two, three years, buy into that too. Um, Absolutely. So I I know. Yeah. It's it's an awesome, it's an awesome story. So uh, the, the last question that I like to ask everyone that comes on is, you know, what are one or two, maybe three things that you want all of your players, whether it be goalkeepers or just the players in general, to to say about you as a as a person, as a coach? Um, I don't think I've ever been asked that. <laughs> I, I got um, you. Got to keep you on your toes, right? Um, <laughs> I'd like to. I'd like players that I work with to think and to know that. No matter what, I'm here to facilitate their needs, um, you know, and and help them develop to to help them get to where they want to get to. Um, you know, with the League One keepers here, it's look. I understand, you know, League One isn't the it's not the end of their career. They they want to push on and give you know further on. So right how can I help them get from league one to championship or championship to MLS Um, in the college world as well? You know, how can I help a college keeper develop to now be able to get pro trials or Academy kids? How can I help the Academy kids develop and be in a position to get into a college um, game and each of them with different aspects to it, you know, um, maybe getting them to see it in a different way at times, you know, for example, like an Academy kid, it's always about, uh, are you getting a scholarship? Are you getting a scholarship? And it's like, well, that's not the end all be all like, well, this, you'd be very fortunate to get a scholarship, but it's even more of an honor to be on the team and get a roster spot, you know, whether you get the athletic right. scholarship or not. Um, so getting them to kind of see it in that terms and, if they do get a scholarship, having them understand in college, like, right, that's your salary. Like, it's not, it's not just money that's been given to you. That that's your salary. That's that's your salary. You're getting, for example, like let's say it's forty thousand to go to school. Somebody's paying you forty thousand dollars to do a job on the field, off the field, um, making sure you're getting good grades and you know have a high GPA and you know excelling in your classroom and then on the field doing what you need to do with your lifestyle. Um, Cause at the end of the day, you know, not everybody has the, has the ability to go and play pro. So having them understand in college, like, Hey, your, your degree is going to set you up for life. Like that's going to help you provide for your family one day. And that should be your priority. Then, then the soccer comes and that's when the fun, that's where, where it's fun too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Well, Nick, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, hopefully the the season picks back up soon but um you know again thank you for taking the time and hopefully we'll talk we'll talk soon absolutely jesse i appreciate it thank you for having me on thank you